Ladies and gentlemen, we are currently holding for further traffic clearance. This is your Walt Disney World picture phone operator. How may I be of assistance? You know, somehow Disney fantasy seems a little more alive at night. In fact, it was Walt's favorite time at the park. Your attention, please. Last call for the Walt Disney Railroad. Now departing for a grand circle tour around the Magic Kingdom. Lights. Camera. Action. W. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 402 for the week of April 19th, 2015. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts every week, special events, my books, audio tours, and more. Whether you are a first-time visitor planning your vacation or you love the history, details, secrets, stories, interviews, and more, there's something here for you. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and find everything else over at www.radio.com. Learn how you can help support the show and be a member of WDW Radio Nation. We have access to exclusive content, rewards, events, and products like custom Magic Band covers, monthly scavenger hunts, logo items, discounts, special shows, and more. You can find out more or join for as little as $1 per month by visiting www.radio.com support. I'm going to open up the inbox this week and answer your questions as we discuss everything from finding a Disney princess to Disneyland fireworks, the best time to visit Walt Disney World, best places for your kids, and maybe even you, to take a nap, the best lounges in Walt Disney World, the Yeti, and how to share your love of Disney with others. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more announcements and your voicemails. So sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Before I start the show, I got to take just a couple of seconds to once again say thank you. Um, I just returned from presenting at a conference in Las Vegas, and during that time, the 10th annual podcast award ceremony took place. And as you know, WW Radio was nominated for a podcast award in the travel category. And thanks solely to you, WDW Radio was voted best travel podcast for 2014. Uh, as I said when I went up to accept the award, it was really on your behalf because the award was because of and for you. And we all share in this recognition together because you are the ones who went out and nominated the show on your own and voted every day. And because of that, 
uh, it made the award possible. So I share it with you. We share it together. Um, be very proud of the incredible community that you have helped create here at WW Radio. And, and once again, I am grateful for and sincerely appreciate you. So thank you. enjoy most about doing the show is my ability to help you have the best vacation experience and learning more and understanding and highlighting the stories and the details and the people and the experiences that you might have missed. And I want to help you learn about new things to see, do, and of course, eat. So I invite you as always to email questions to lou at www.radio.com so I can answer them here on the show because while I like being able to help you individually, I also want to help you as a community because I think that's one of the best ways I can bring you value by answering your questions and sharing them with others because chances are they have similar questions as well. And if you've listened to the show before, if I ask you to think about listener questions, you know that invariably I will get to food pretty quickly. Actually, I think I did already. And that I would invite someone on the show to help me provide the best possible answers for you and to let us have fun along the way. And joining me this week is someone who helps me do both. She is the Pumbaa to my Timon, the Abu to my Aladdin, the Remy to my Linguini, there's another food reference, the Doug to my Russell, and like the character who is funny, chatty, can speak well, and yet is often quite forgetful, she is the Dory to my Marlin. She is <laughs> Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. <laughs> Oh, all right. See, I was not prepared for that. Last time I was prepared for that. And this time I'm not prepared for that. And now you called me Dory and absent-minded, which, of course, the great thing about the questions is that sometimes you and I have the same questions. So it's kind of fun to muddle through them. And like Dory, you're also a good friend. Aw, he said something nice. And I'm not going to ruin it, right? I'm not going to ruin it either. I'm just going to drop the mic and walk off stage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because we haven't seen each other in so long. This that's is like true. old, you know, coming home week right now. It's, I was going to say it's like old folks week or old home week, <laughs> whatever it may be. But Jeez, listen, I... we've got a a ton of questions to get to. So I'm going to open up the inbox again. I want We want to really like help the individual who's asking as well as you who is listening. So let's get started with Jason Keene's question. He said, Lou, I posted this on the forum, but I wanted to ask you as well. Considering the new Princess Fairy Tale Hall in New Fantasyland, I know the setup is Rapunzel in one line, Cinderella in the other, and obviously there's Anna and Elsa there now as well, as well as other visiting princesses. I know that Ariel's keeping her spot in the grotto, and Belle has a new story and traction. And I was under the impression that the guest princess would cycle through Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Mulan, Tiana, Jasmine, and maybe Merida, although he's not really sure about her. I haven't been to the Magic Kingdom since the Fairy Tale Hall opened, but from what I've seen, others post on YouTube and whatnot, only Snow White and Sleeping Beauty have shown up. Tiana, Merida, and Jasmine have stayed in their current meet-and-greet locations elsewhere. Mulan, I haven't heard any sightings of, nor Pocahontas, for that matter. He calls her the Forgotten Princess. So Jason basically is trying to find out where he could find and meet and greet and get his picture and autograph with Pocahontas. And obviously, Becky, she used to have her show with her forest friends back over at Camp Minimiki, but as that is going through the transformation, 
into the land of Pandora, which I am incredibly excited about. It is, I believe, is going to be the park to visit at night. He doesn't really know where else he could find Pocahontas. Well, Jason, you are in luck. And Becky, I know that unless a princess is hanging out in the evening lounge where you are, you probably won't run into her, so I will take this for you. (laughs) Uh, So there's actually a Pocahontas meet-and-greet location over at Discovery Island Trails at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Here's my hint. Get there earlier. Lines are usually shorter. Check your times guide, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, She's not part of any character dining experience, at least not right right now. But don't forget, too, you can also see her in Fantasmic. She's got that entire scene where they recreate part of the show. And she's also in a scene where they spray it on the water mist. And she's also a character on the Steamboat Willie in the finale. So there's lots of Pocahontas if you know where to look. Yeah, but you know what? He also mentioned Mulan as well, and she is one of my favorites. So she's a little bit elusive, right? Unless you go to China, then she's not very elusive. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to throw that out. I had okay. To. Yeah, you can Mulan. meet. Uh, you can. You can meet. And we can go to Norway, Fran and Elsa. Got it. All right, move. Go. <laughs> you can meet uh, Mulan in China, and she is also on the steamboat boat Willie boat as well. And I don't believe she is at any character breakfast, lunches, or dinner at this time of this recording. So that- See, that's what I was meaning right there. Okay. <laughs> Just want to clarify. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Peter Gununis, who's age 11, right? I love the fact that, uh, that, that younger people listen to and email the show as well. He says, Dear Lou Mangello, greetings. My name is Peter. You may remember my dad, Travis, and me bumping into you recently at Walt Disney World. I actually do, Peter. Uh, We first saw you at Yeehaw Bob's and then bumped into you not once, but twice at Epcot Center, ordering tacos at the Mexico Pavilion, then at the end of the Muppets (laughs) game. Why did that not surprise me? Of course, you'd find me by a food location. Uh, I want to let you know they were really fun coincidences. It's kind of a cute story. Our family left the room at Riverside, headed down to River Roost. We got there. It was packed. We had no idea until later. And since we couldn't get seats, we went next door to the food court, again, where he probably saw me eating as well. (laughs) After we decided to watch a song or two, we got there. We saw somebody we thought was a tourist, but it turned out to be you videotaping. I was actually live streaming. Yeehaw, Bob. And then Bob yelled out something like, Lou Mangello in the house, and realized it was you. Thanks for hi and chatting briefly. The podcast and trivia books high on the list of why we became Disney enthusiasts. We are, however, writing this email for a reason. Inspired partly by our podcast on Disneyland, we are fortunate, fortunate to just have become new premier passport holders. Very impressive golf clap from the audience. We will be making our first trip to Disneyland later on this year. We're hoping that you, and possibly Becky, could suggest some interesting places to watch the fireworks. Thanks for all that you do. Sincerely, Peter Ganunas. Peter, thank you for the email. I actually do remember reading, uh, meeting you. And I love this question too, Becky. You know, I just did another show a few months ago with my family about you know, more reasons why Walt Disney World enthusiasts need to go visit Disneyland, not to compare the two, but to enjoy everything that each has to offer. And like so many things, you know, there's similarities and differences. And the fireworks at Disneyland are different and beautiful. And I would like to hear your favorite or favorite places or some maybe out-of-the-way places to watch Disneyland fireworks. Okay. This is a really (laughs) big question because the neat thing about Disneyland and the way that they shoot off their fireworks, which is done by Air Cannon, which is an amazing technology for us pyro freaks, um, there are a lot of different places to, to watch them. And, example, they're kind of 
set up to be watched from the front of the castle, you know, the main street, the hub, railroad station, that type of thing, where you're looking straight dead on onto the castle. But you can also get some really beautiful views from a couple of the places. And one of my favorites is actually back by It's a Small World, back in the corridor in that area. You're kind of on the backside of it, but the way that this particular show is set up, it is a really good view no matter where you can see it from the park. So between that and other people go up to the Interventions balcony as well as another out-of-the-way spot that people will, will go and kind of duck the crowds. And then, um, well, there's some limited views if you're outside of the park, but those are my two favorites uh, that are somewhat uncrowded for watching the fireworks. But as you know, uh, with the new 60th coming, we're going to get a whole new show. Yeah, And with that, with the whole new show, is going to be a whole new list of places that you can see them. Because from what I understand, a lot of the projections are going to be throughout the park. So you don't need to be in the front of the castle or at the hub uh, looking straight on to get the best view of the show. So this, until we get to see it when it comes out later in, in May, um, May, June... It's going to be hard to say, yeah, absolutely go to the to It's a Small World Corridor because that might not be one of the best hidden spots after we get this new show and get to see it. Yeah, and, I, and I'm excited for, you know, again, what we don't know yet and, the, the, yeah. and how the projections are going to change the experience. And I think you're right. I think It's a Small World is one of those cool things because you, you get some of the projections there right now. You mentioned Storybook Land mm-hmm. Canal Boats. That's actually uh, I the first time I ever saw the Disneyland fireworks was actually on the canal boats right there, not far from It's a Small World. And if you time it just right, like th- like there or other attractions, right? Like Big Thunder Mountain, mm-hmm. if you time it just right, man, you can get a very interesting place to watch uh, the fireworks. Obviously, many people go to, and it's, it's one of the best viewing spots. You said Main Street USA, the railroad station, great ways to view as well. I like your idea about interventions. Also in Fantasyland, you can go near Prince Charming Regal Carousel. You're kind of much closer to the fireworks there. You get some music. All these places offer very different experiences, right? So if you go over to Rivers of America, so here's one thing you can do. Sort of get a a double dip, get a a double feature. Go there for Fantasmic and then stay to watch the fireworks. You'll get a very different experience than you would be if you were on Main Street USA. And Becky, I thought of you for this one too because you can incorporate... Two, well, really one of the things you truly love and fireworks, because believe it or not, if you go over to Carthay Circle over at DCA and go out on the terrace, you can watch the tops of the fireworks from there as well. So there right. you are, cocktail in hand, fireworks across <laughs> the way. It's like my happy place. <laughs> it's my little happy place. Yeah. Oh, another thing, too, a lot of people may not realize that if you're staying at, um, at the Disneyland Hotel, especially in the Adventure Tower because it faces, well, if you get a room that's facing the downtown Disney area and facing the parks, they um, pipe in the music and you can actually get a really good view from rooms as well if you're up on that one of the upper levels. So there's a ton of different places to, little nooks and crannies to enjoy the fireworks there. But again, after I saw just a little snippet of what's coming for the celebration, I can't wait to maybe answer this question again once we get that ability to see what 
they've gotten planned. Research trip. We need a research yeah. trip to Disneyland. I agree. Indeed. But another thing, too, I want to mention, congratulations on that Premier Passport. Because one thing, especially that Walt Disney World folks, AP holders, may not realize that if you do have that Premier Pass or Disneyland Annual Pass, you qualify for a lot of discounts at Disneyland that you don't typically get at Disney World um, on merchandise, on dining in parks and, and in the hotels. Um, they're really uh, good about offering a lot of discounts. So when you go to buy something in the parks or at the hotels, ask them if they have an AP discount if you've got that Premier Passport. Cool. One of these days, maybe we should talk about, you know, do a show about the different passes that are available and the pros and cons and maybe where some of those cutoff points are like okay if you go to this you know to this place this many days out of the year mm -hmm. this is where really where sort of it makes more sense to look into something like a premier passport that is a great idea for a show mark it down mark it down start doing your research now all right next question hey lou first off just want to say love the show and thank you for everything that you do i credit you for increasing my knowledge and love of all things disney as well as my husband now becoming a Walt Disney World fan. See, that's what we do here. We convert the, you know, the, those that you thought were unconvertible, we bring them into the mix. Next thing you know, you have Premier Passports. Secondly, <laughs> I have a question for you. We are planning our next trip to Walt Disney World in November. We're debating between the first full week and the second full week of November. The first week, we catch the Food and Wine Festival and the start of Christmas decorations, but I've heard that Jersey Week can have a huge impact on crowds in that week. The second week, we might catch the last day or two of food and wine and more Christmas decorations should be up. But I'm wondering how much the crowds are going to be affected by Veterans Day and other factors. Crowd levels are key for us as we noticed during our trip that a during a rainstorm, how many more details you can notice and enjoy in an uncrowded park. Any advice you and Becky can give us wow. would be so very appreciated. <laughs> that comes from Janice Baxter-Barry in Ont Ontario, that is twice you read my name and twice with a question mark. And I want to know if the questions actually had a question mark. Move on. <laughs> so uh, that's from no. Janice Baxter-Barry in Ontario, Canada, which I think is meant to pretty pronounce Canada. So, all right. So let's we're talking about the first week. Again, food and wine, Christmas decorations start going up. You got Jersey week to contend with. The second week of November, the last couple of days of food and wine, Possibly more Christmas decorations are up, but then you've got the crowds affected by Veterans Day. If you had to sort of balance and choose one or the other, which would you suggest? I would suggest the second week. Um, Jersey week, if it really does hit that, that week in November, let's, let's say that it is Jersey week is the first week and the Veterans Day is hitting the second, um, because you also have the wine and dine races, which hit the first week as well. So that has an impact on the crowds and the cost of the hotels because the higher demand, the higher the price tends to be. That second week is historically uh, less crowded than Jersey week. And I think that also has an impact because of the wine and dine races. So if you go back historically and look at some of the crowd calendars that are out there, you do see that it is less crowded that second week historically. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And look, you know, it used to be, Becky, you know, we're going back, you know, eight, ten years. Years, years <laughs> right. It used to be years that there were times traditionally 
that were very, very slow times of year, okay. right? The, the secret week was that first week in December when it was a ghost town. Like you could throw a churro from one end of Frontier <laughs> to the other and not hit anybody except me who'd be that chasing the... That would be me chasing yeah. the churro like a dog in the park. <laughs> but Yeah, that, that was well before people on podcasts start talking about it being the people who could throw the churro across the park. So, well, yeah, and- it... But I think yeah. there's a lot of other factors too. Look, Disney's Absolutely. in the business of of making money, and you know yep. they want the parks to be more filled. So you've mm-hmm. got Pop Warner, you've got cheerleaders, you've got a right. lot of international visitors coming at different times. So really now, it and I don't mean this, to, you know, I'm over exaggerating, but it's either you know kind of crowded or really crowded, depending on right. when you go. Those those dead times are kind of few and far between, and often you can only get them in very very short bursts. And I sort of see that much more now as a local, because that's when I try and go, obviously, mm-hmm. when it's less crowded. Um, Janice, I, I'm sometimes willing, you know, as soon as you said food and wine, I'm like, I don't care how crowded it is, I'm going to go, because I want to make <laughs> sure, you know, but think about what's most important to you, too. Let's just assume that the crowds are going to be relatively equal, possibly a little less on the second day. If getting more time at food and wine, and and what I would really try and do, too, is is verify exactly you know, when this when Jersey Week takes place. And for those of you that right. don't know, Jersey Week is when the New Jersey schools uh, are, are on a break to allow the teachers to go to teachers' conventions, which means that everybody in New Jersey goes down to Disney World. Like the entire state. Nobody's in New Jersey. They're all here <laughs> at Disney World. So there is obviously a, a bump in the crowds. Um, certainly midweek, you're going to be better. That's, that's sort of a, a general rule no matter when you go. But think about what's more important to you um, and less maybe about the crowds. But if the, if the crowd is your number one factor, then, Becky, I think you're right. Look closer towards Veteran Day and maybe try and avoid, you know, maybe, if, if, maybe avoid the parks on that day as it might be a little bit more crowded than usual. Yeah, and this is really an interesting topic because, as you said, and yes, I was joking with you, but as you said, uh, there used to be a time, and you can still see it out on the net where people say, yes, these are the, the weeks that it's dead and go and it's dead. That was, like you said, six, seven, eight years ago. And now it's crowded pretty much all the time, which is a good thing because that just means that people are traveling and they're enjoying Walt Disney World. But Disney has also done a fantastic job of identifying those slower periods in the past and creating reasons for people to want to go and experience Walt Disney World any time of year. So even though some people may still be reading on the on the internet um, blogs and posts that were done several years ago that say to go then, the expectation levels have got to kind of be readjusted now for for the current situation where there's a lot of reasons to go. Yeah, and the great thing as a Walt Disney World enthusiast is that there is always something going on, right? It's either a special event, Food and Wine and Flower and Garden have now extended their amount of times. There's different holiday celebrations going on. The uh, run Disney races have now created destination events. Even for those who are not wait, waving my hand as if you can see me, even for those who are not <laughs> runners, you're going down to cheer on others or for all the things that sort of surround those events. So it's a, it's a you know it's a double edged sword. It's a blessing and a curse uh, because there's more reasons to come and obviously more reasons to keep coming back. Absolutely. There's there's a reason to keep going back and to keep experiencing and adding on to uh, not just it's not just a theme park it is a um, a destination into itself you don't need to go into a park anymore to really enjoy Walt Disney World as a whole which has been attracting a whole new level of um, of guest. 
especially with all the new restaurants going up. I don't even need yeah, a I was just going to say, the foodies, <laughs> bring in the food. And then, of course, food and wine. You just mentioned that um, the Flower and Garden had expanded. Food and wine tends to every year kind of expand the state a little bit here and there as well. So that is an extremely popular time to go, as we know from you pretty much parking yourself in Epcot for the entire month. Oh, my. If the outdoor <laughs> kitchens were out there all year long, I don't think I would ever leave. <laughs> I would just, I would literally park myself there. All right, so let's move on because uh, Bernie has a question. So he says, Lou, please, can you help in his best Princess Leah voice? You're my only hope. I've looked everywhere and just can't find the answer. We have ADRs for a trip in October to Chef Mickey's at 7.05 a.m. We're staying off-site, so we'll be traveling by car, and I can't find what time the monorails start. I know we can park at the Contemporary Resort for up to three hours, but would rather avoid moving the car if possible. Please, can you help or suggest the best place to park the car for the day if the monorail won't be running yet? Many thanks and again, Bernie. So, Bernie, I'm going to commend you because uh, what uh, many people often do if you have reservations at some place like Chef Mickey's is park the car there in the morning. And then after you sort of walk off your breakfast, uh, the short walk over to Magic Kingdom, you don't want to do that. You want to sort of abide by the three-hour rule, which is what they explain to you when you do uh, go and park your car. Um, so you're looking for a place to park the car without having to to move it, and you're wondering what time do the monorail start before seven o'clock. So I believe it's usually an hour before. Is it an hour before park open? It it's, uh, operates from I want to say one hour prior to the earliest park opening. So uh, say that there's a 8 a.m. Isn't that right? Yeah. So if there's 8 a.m. extra magic hours, the monorails will be running at seven. Um, the other thing too, uh, Bernie, if you go to, if you decide to go to uh, the Contemporary, if you valet park, you can leave your car there all day. You can certainly yeah, leave your car there all day. Suggest. So that might even be the best option for you uh, is to valet park. Um, and if you're a, ta- if you have tables, and here you go. If you have tables in Wonderland. First of all, you need, if you don't, you need to go get it. Because if you have tables in Wonderland, you can valet park for free. Use your, go to Chef Mickey's, use tables in Wonderland, bring them out your receipt. You park valet for free. There you go. Problem solved. Yep. Valet the car, especially in that scenario, is you're not taking up somebody else's spot that might be in the hotel. And the valets are always very appreciative of the business. There you go. Uh, hey, Lou. And Becky, if she's there. Again? <laughs> really? <laughs> instead, of, instead of asterisks, I'm going to have question marks behind my right. name on your phone, aren't I? Okay, go. Uh, you should see what your, what your profile picture looks like on my phone. Anyway, love the show. Oh. Big fan. You're not a fan. You're a friend. It, but it's hurting my marriage a bit. Uh-oh. Because as soon as, <laughs> Wait a minute. This Where's is not the intended outcome. Um, it's hurting my marriage a bit because as soon as the kids go to bed, all I do is listen to your show. But anyway, I have a question about naps at Walt Disney World. I'm going to the world in a month and with hopefully my happy wife, then stop listening to the show and go spend time with her and kids aged two and three, beautiful age to take them to the parks. On the last day, our flight doesn't leave until 9 p.m. and with checkout at Animal Kingdom Lodge it's set for 11, I'm wondering where the kids and me could go for the afternoon nap. Would they allow me to check out later, say 3 p.m. for a fee? No naps for the kids? equals lots of crying and drama on a good day with such a late flight. I'm not sure if the crying and drama is going to come for you and your wife or from the kids, uh, but I don't want to be one of those families that are so bad they make the news. Any suggestions? (laughs) Thanks, Dan, again from Toronto, where the poutine is awesome, by the way. 
in Canada. So, okay, so they're at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Obviously, checkout time is 11 o'clock. Let's take first things first. In, in terms of the resorts, Becky, what do they do about things like late checkout if people ask for it? Well, Disney's not as liberal as many other hotel chains can be on this because, you know, frankly, the resorts are very busy and they most likely have that room allocated to another guest coming in. So they will allow you to call the, the morning of your checkout and ask for a late checkout. So that day of departure, you really can't ask for it beforehand. They'll tell you to call that morning. Call early. Um, if the resort isn't full or your room isn't already allocated to an incoming guest, they may, and I'm going to stress the word may, grant you a late checkout. But the unfortunate part is they tend to keep it around 1 p.m. as being the latest that you can. So there's might be rare instances where if you explain the situation, they might be able to grant you a longer checkout. It's very, very rare that they will allow it past one. Um, but, you know, they're not going to – you're not going to know unless you ask the question. All they can say is no, right? Exactly. So um, if it is really that important to you, a lot of people will bite the bullet and stay a little longer, especially if you have a 9, 9 p.m. flight and they will pay for an additional night on the end, which I know a lot of people are gasping in horror right now. Um, that is the only way to guarantee it, that you'll be able to, to stay in past checkout. But that day, you just have to call them in the morning, make it as early as you can in the morning because those requests do go quickly and uh, they'll be able to tell you that on that day of departure. So, Dan, you said your kids are ages two and three. So if you aren't able to stay in your room longer and you don't want to get a room for an additional day, because it obviously can be very pricey and your money could be better allocated to things like food, um, there are a couple of uh, suggestions I might have for you. I remember when my kids are two and three, and it's a great age because they're very portable. Uh, obviously, everybody's kids are different. I was very fortunate, my wife and I, because our kids would fall asleep in our strollers. So what we found was uh, they would have to kick me out of the stroller and we would put the kids in and we could walk them around the parks <laughs> and that would let the kids fall asleep. Now, the other thing I don't know too is are you planning on going to a park that day? If not, there are places inside Animal Kingdom Lodge and other places like um, you know Beach Club and Wilderness Lodge. Like Wilderness Lodge is a great place because you can go someplace like the Carrollwood Room and sort of just take a quiet little nap in there. But if they need to obviously lay down and need a bed, that, that's a whole other story. Look for places inside the resort. There's a lot of, especially Animal Kingdom Lodge, there's a couple of great little nooks and crannies and hideaways, whether you are at Jumbo House or at Kidani Village. There's, um, I, I'm thinking about that room, Becky, off to the side where there's like some right. place to sit. Um, sort of, it's almost like a little lounge in there, and it's usually very, very quiet. Um Beach Club has places like that. Yacht Club. A lot of the resorts really do. Uh, depending on the time of year that you go, you could even sort of go out to a place like Beach Club or Contemporary or Polynesian or Grand Floridia. Go out by the beach and lay there taking that. Obviously, it's, if it's the middle of August, probably not the best idea. And certainly, like one thing my kids always loved, too, was that they loved motion. So you can take them on the monorail and let them lay down on you and take a nap and just sort of go around in circles and relax in air conditioning. The TTA is a great example mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Liberty Square Riverboat, great place to take a nap for adults and kids alike. Uh, Tom Sawyer Island, um, the trails over at Animal Kingdom, like if you sort of wander inside those trails in Discovery Island, it's usually shaded again, depending on the time of year. It might be a little bit too hot. But there's plenty of like quiet spots both inside the parks and at the resorts as well. 
Yeah, and interestingly enough, this is a great question for you because it sounds like you know a lot about napping around Walt Disney My World. Kids. My kids, my kids napping. Yep. Those were great, great suggestions. Another thing, just to piggyback off this, this is probably wouldn't be appropriate for this particular guest, but if you do have or find yourself with a late night flight and you don't want to pay for that additional night, um, the Hyatt that's at the airport does offer day rooms. So if you're leaving property and you want to get to the airport, you have to check out, but you don't have a flight until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, especially for those uh, international folks, um, the Hyatt that's inside the airport does have really reasonable rates for a day room where you check in, you have that room all day if you just want to hang out and go shopping at the airport and the other things that are, are there. So you don't have to just, you know, sit at the airport if that becomes something that you need to do. So I've utilized that service several times when I've had to to work, <laughs> believe it or not, before my flight. Um, but that's available too. Yeah. And again, it really is going to depend, Dan, on your kids and you guys right. and how you sort of need to nap um, I, I was reluctant to say things like Hall of Presidents and Carousel of Progress because I think you should be enjoying those attractions and not sleeping through them. But I do understand the importance of a nap. I certainly invite you, the listener, if you have your favorite place or your sort of secret place to get away, to email me or tweet me at Lou Mangello, and uh, we can share that with Dan and anybody else. And certainly, too, your kids are two and three. Take you take advantage of the baby care centers. That's another mm-hmm. place that if you're really desperate, there's places in there that it's very, very quiet. Um, and you can go and, you know, you and your wife and your kids can rest as well because I understand not wanting to be the, uh, you know, the eight o'clock at night meltdown family. So I've seen Becky meltdown. It's not pretty. Um, Wait, what? Heather Bickford <laughs> writes and says, me? Lou, I need your help. You may make fun of Becky's research, but you guys can really help me out with a research question. My mom and I are going to Walt Disney World during the first week in December, normally a very quiet time of year. We're wanting to tour the resorts for the Christmas decorations and would love to combine this with a bar lounge crawl. We're staying on site at (laughs) at Port Orleans French Quarter, so transportation, not an issue. What bars slash lounges should we try? And are there any particular cocktails or appetizers we shouldn't miss? Thanks for all the work you do. We always book with Mouse Fan Travel because we heard about them and your rousing endorsement on the show. I added that part at the end. Have a magical day. That comes, <laughs> again, from Heather Bickford. Heather, Thanks, Heather, you're actually speaking our language because uh, we know of Becky's um, love of the lounges for a variety of reasons. I love them as well, too, normally for different reasons. I've done a number of live lounge restaurant reviews in the past. We've done Territory Lounge. We've done Meisner's Lounge. There, we've, we haven't done Victoria Falls yet, um, but I also did an entire show. If you go back to show number 258, which is a thorn in Becky's side because she wasn't there for it, we actually reviewed uh, really sort of the menus for a lot of the lounges. Becky, I promise I will have you come on to review the, uh, the libations at a lot of the lounges as well. But my favorite, I mean, I think... And it, it changes depending on where I go that week. But I love, love, love Territory Lounge. And I am my, my new sort of favorite place right now, slash Trader Sam's, is Meisner's Lounge. Okay. Now, first of all, let's take the thorn <laughs> on my side for a minute because you just mentioned a whole bunch of live lounge reviews that I wasn't on any of them. <laughs> all right. Let's go ahead and just put that right on out there, get the elephant out of the room, because you've been promising me lounge reviews forever. I, just prom- I promise we'll do one. 
Okay. <laughs> so some of my favorites. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lounge in Disney World. What's not going to be my favorite? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you why some aren't your favorite, but go ahead. What? Because some don't okay. have food. Well, this is true. All right. This is true. Not many, though, but some. Um, I got to say that since we discovered that wonderful drink that you introduced me to, and by the way, side note, sidebar, You'll recognize that term. Um, do you know that half of the things that I'm drinking now is because you told me that they were great and I needed to drink them? So everybody's like all blaming me, but it's all because of you. You're very at LaCava, La that wonderful drink that I adore so much, that cinnamony and yummy. Do you remember what it's called? <laughs> that you can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the name. Is it the horchata? Yes. Yeah. it's right. That's it. Okay. It's warm you, and creamy. It's like a cuddle. It's, oh, it's got the fireball and the rum chata in it. Yeah. yeah right? It's not really warm. Don't say the word warm because it's not a warm drink. It, it's, no, it's not a warm ice. treat, but it warms you from the inside You're, out. Exactly. Because now you've got that, that wonderful little slice of heaven in a beverage glass, plus the chips and the amazing guacamole right next to it. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite places to just kind of hang out have a couple of sips of, of very good beverages and having some amazing guacamole on the side. Meisner's, I'm right there with you on that one. Between the lobby decorations, the music, all the fun there um, and the during the Christmas awesome. time. The food yeah. is awesome at Meisner's. Yep. Um, Which is at the Grand Floridian, by the way. The <laughs> sautéed shrimp with feta. Have you have it, have, had it there have you listened to my restaurant review? Have you listened to the review? Of course not, because I wasn't on it. So why would I listen to it? <laughs> so those, uh, that's got to be one of my very favorite appetizers, that little sautéed shrimp with feta. It's really good. I also enjoy the Bellevue Room. I know that there's an issue there because of the there's no food. You have to kind of go down to get pizza. Hopefully they will change that in the Bellevue Rooms at the boardwalk. Um, but I do like the atmosphere there, and I like going out on the patio, and you can – People watch from the second level, and I just really enjoy that. But you know the other one that is really surprising that I I really fell in love with last time I was there? Rick's at Coronado. Shh. What? Oh, we're not supposed to tell anybody about that one? <laughs> Rick's was always like my little secret kind of oh. like getaway because nobody goes there. Well, we're, we there. We need to go there because between the awesome flatbread and did you try those little truffle mac and cheese bites? No, but what I oh. do remember was the pineapple upside down cake shot, which I'm convinced That's, had no alcohol in it. But my goodness, that was like a pineapple upside down cake. That's see the most amazing thing on their menus, which uh, they're so inventive and creative, like the frozen strawberry cheesecake martini. Dude, really? And the, um, the <laughs> birthday cat cake teeny. At least I remember what that's called. The birthday cake teeny and the toasted coconut martini. Hey, now. These are flavors and things that you don't find on the general lounge menus that you'll see around Disney World. And they're so creative and so um, so different and so sweet and yummy. And again, flatbread and truffle mac and cheese bites. You will not go wrong with those stupid little truffle <laughs> mac and cheese bites. So I, I would say that that's really high up on my list. Yeah, Rick's was kind of like the place that, unless people were going there for a convention, mm -hmm. it was very much off the radar. And I was surprised because, first of all, it's a beautiful venue. It's, it's inside Coronado Springs. Uh, it's a beautiful venue. They have food. They've got, I think you could even get breakfast there now, too. Um, but it's also sort of a part lounge, part club, 
part private, you know, venue space as well. So if you want to go there and get like a comfy couch and hang out, or if you want to get out there and like and get on the dance floor, <laughs> you could do that too. Um, and you're right, the the cocktail menu is very different. The appetizer menu is very different. I think you could mm-hmm. also, I think you can get lunch there as well too. And if you want to check out their website, I, I think it's rix. It's rx lounge. Dot com. Maybe that's one of the places we'll have to do a, uh, a review There you from. go. <gasps> I just remembered one other. <gasps> Tuto. Tuto Gusto? Yeah. I guess oh, you, my yeah, gosh. I guess you can call that a lounge. I guess It kind of is. It's inside you a can park, get, but yeah. Yeah, you can get the, the great wine selection, the great eats from the cheese and salami, and all of the other little pieces. And, of course, you can order the... Um, from the restaurant menu too in there, but that's a neat little place just to sit and have a glass of wine and, and pick on some cheese and salami. And that's some... sort of my favorite in park place right now because mm-hmm. at the end of the evening, like you go there at like a dusk, right? The promenade is beautiful and you're watching the sunset and you go in, you get a nice glass of red wine and a sample of like smoked meats and mozzarella. Yeah. And oh my, oh my God. gosh. Mozzarella. We're back on that again. <laughs> Listen. But... I say it the way Giada says it. You got to add like eighteen syllables <laughs> and lots of pauses, like in mozzarella. Like you add a whole lot of inflection in there it's too. Like, anytime that I'm with you and Tony, that's what I'm going to do. Mozzarella the entire time. But the one thing I have about Tuto though that I I will say is a negative to me. What? If you, yeah, I know. If if you're there and you're with your spouse or your honey, it can be really loud in there. It's not somewhere where you're going to have hushed See, tones. I didn't it, think that, so. Really? Because it think, was. Rick's is loud. I think Rick's is, can be very yeah. loud, obviously. I didn't last think two so. Times, two, last two times I've been there, it's been difficult to have a conversation across the table because it was so crowded. Maybe they were trying to get you out. So it was done intentionally. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No. Oh, the other one? Wait, oh, geez. I, there's another one, too. There's one that you, I can't believe. Well, you haven't seen it yet, but I'm surprised. Trader Sam's is like <laughs> lounge of lounges. I, Again, I have not been there yet. I haven't been back to the world since it opened. And so that's just salt in a wound right now for you, you have to, to run back in. here because you don't like Disney World in when it's warm. So, well, <laughs> so you're not here by choice. I hear the whole thing yeah, about the hair and the sweat. And yeah, see, it's so. the hair. It's the hair does not like the, the whole, you know, humidity thing. But the other one, I cannot believe that you haven't said this right away. Sanaa. Oh. And the bread service. Yeah, and, I, and it's funny because I talk about it all the time. Like, that's like the, the other secret go-to. Because Sanaa, late night, in that – because it's really – it's not really like a lounge. It's like a table with like two couches there, but nobody goes there after like 9.30, 10 o'clock. So you get six, eight friends. You sit around that big table. You order a couple of bread services, lots of cocktails. You put – you bring your tables in Wonderland card. What, what do we have, Becky? Like eight people – most people had drinks. We got all the bread services and a couple appetizers, and it was like 60 bucks for everybody, and we were full. Yeah, it was very reasonable and a good time. And like you said, it wasn't overly packed or crowded. I think there was only two other couples in the entire place when we were there. It really is a fantastic find. We got to do that as a live review, too. Would a couple other get a couple of friends together and do that? Why don't we nice. just do like a, a from morning till 
close down and just do one after another after another and get a driver. Oh, my God. <laughs> it. That's like when I used to do the old walkabouts on for food and wine yeah. festival. Like uh, way back in the day when I walked from 11 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night, eating it every single – we have to do that again. It's been too long since been we've a while. done that. It's definitely um, been a while. Yeah, the last time was tough because we had like 100 people with us. So it's tough for everybody yeah. to eat at the same time. So all right, so if you, listener – have a favorite lounge. Tweet me at Lou Mangiello. Come to WRadio.com. Leave your answer in the comment section or call the voicemail with your favorite lounge or from your favorite lounge at 407-900-9391. Let's move on because uh, Andrew Fry has a question and I have what I think is my ideal answer for it. I was just listening to show number six. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing to me, Becky, that people find the show at 400 and go back to and listen to all. That's amazing and incredibly humbling, and I'm very grateful for that. Anyway, you were talking about all the animatronics in Walt Disney World, specifically the Yeti on Everest. Last time I went to Walt Disney World, which is also my first time, and my honeymoon for the trifecta, I had seen the Disney Parks films that talked a lot about the Yeti being built for Everest. So, needless to say, I was really excited to see it in person and to see my wife's reaction. However, the first time I rode Everest, although I was looking for it intently, I completely missed it. I asked a cast member about when I got off the ride. She told me where to look. My wife and I rode Everest six or seven more times that day. We couldn't get enough. And even though I knew exactly when and where to look, I still thought the Yeti was extremely difficult to see. So... My question to you is this, where is the best place to sit on the train for Everest and what time of day is best to see the Yeti so the next time I go, I don't miss it? Thanks for the show. I love it, in all caps, Andrew Fry. So, Andrew, uh, very cool. Congratulations on the trifecta of first time, honeymoon, and Everest seven times in one day. And I can actually understand why it may have been difficult to see the Yeti. Let's go back in time just a little bit. When the attraction first opened, the Yeti, obviously sort of the, the, the you know, predominant figure in the attraction, it's ginormous. They literally built the mountain around the Yeti, which is the, both the blessing and the curse. The Yeti was very well lit and would swing this gigantic, furry, audio-animatronic arm, sweep it above your train as it went by. You could not miss him if you tried. Unfortunately, a couple of years later, there were some mechanical issues with the Yeti and with the audio animatronic arm. And because of that, and because of the way it's built into the structure of the mountain, in order for them to repair it properly, they would need to take this attraction down for an extended, like a very, very extended period of time. And right now, with Everest really continuing to be the most popular sort of keystone attraction at the park it's hard to do that right it's hard to take down your biggest attraction for a long period of time unless and or until something like pandora and rivers of light and some of these other attractions open so right now the yeti is in what's called b mode which means it's not operating to its full functional capacity and capabilities and, and he's basically sitting there standing hanging there in a static position and he's not fully illuminated, but he's illuminated by a strobe light. So you really do kind of have to look up and to the right in order to catch him and kind of look exactly for him while the strobe light is going off. It gives the effect of motion certainly not as impressive and dramatic as it is and as it will be because they will fix it as it will be once it is back into what they call 
A mode. So in terms of the best place to sit on the train for Everest and the best time to see the Yeti, the best time of the day to see the Yeti isn't really going to matter because it's inside the dark in that one section when you do need to look over to the right when you're inside the mountain. That being the case, I still think that there is a best place to sit on the train for Everest and the best time of the day to ride it. And for me, Everest at night, dusk is nice, night is awesome. Those rare times it's open, but Everest at night in the back row of the train is one of the best uh, attraction experiences you will have in all of Walt Disney World. You like the back? Really? I love the back. I love the back. Oh, because so, so many people say that they can actually get that view better from the front, but no, no you like the back. No, huh? the back is better. Okay. Yeah, oh, the back. Well, see, for me, when, oh, yeah. For for me, my eyes are closed, so it doesn't matter where I am because I have no idea what's going to happen on the other side of my eyelids because they're constantly closed, and I'm holding on for dear life during that um, for that ride. But uh, so the back instead of the front, huh? Absolutely. I, I, I mean, you get a different ride experience just like you would at Space Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain or any other roller coaster front versus back. Right. Especially things that you think about things like um, even rock and roller coaster, even though it's in the dark, mm-hmm. your the, 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 the physical experience is different front versus back. But oh, I think yeah, I just like being able to see more, especially when you're going backwards on Everest. You get a different experience that way. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> See, that's what I was thinking is when you go backwards and you're in the front, but you're going backwards and all of a sudden there's nothing in front of you. You know what I mean? And you're just whipping around the inside of the mountain, which is pretty amazing. Whipping, that, whirling, twisting, turling. That's, that's, the, that's the one whipping, for me. Whipping, whirling. Anyway, yep. don't sing. Stop. <laughs> all right. So, uh, hey, Lou and company. See, and company. <laughs> and and Did company. you write that in? No, it says you, it right you there. You made that up. You, you totally can ask Bill. He says, my name is William Tollefson. I'm 22 years old and about to graduate from Seattle Pacific University. Congratulations. Hey, I, I'm a huge there. fan of Walt Disney World and I'm seriously considering finding a way to make my living in a Disney way. I love what Walt Disney World is for the world and I want to be a part of it. I love your podcast and the way you talk about Disney. I was wondering if you had any tips or ideas of how I can get involved in writing about blogging about, researching, or being a professional part of the Disney fan community? Are there special skills or qualifications that'll give me an advantage, an avenue to being said professional? I know you're busy, never too busy for you, but I thought I would try to contact you. Thank you, your friend, William Tollefson. So, William, I I love this, man. And this is the the beauty, right, about, about the age that we live in, right? We've got the tools and the opportunity to take something that you love and talk about it and share it with others and meet other people. I talk about this all the time. I just gave a, I just spoke at a conference. People ask me what my podcast is about. I'm like, it's about people, right? It's the ability to, to share with people and meet people and learn from other people. So you want to get involved in some way in being part of this Disney fan community. And there are so many of us that make up this, this community. Are there any special skills or qualifications that will give you an advantage? Absolutely. There is one, I will tell you that there is one thing that I believe you need more than anything else. You don't have to be a good writer. You don't have to be have the best voice if you want a podcast. You don't have to be a graphic designer. You don't have to know how to code a WordPress site. You need one thing. You need passion. You need to be passionate about what you are doing because people will be able to see and hear and read that and view it if you're doing a YouTube channel or whatever it might be. William, find that thing that you are passionate about. Find that thing that is going to separate you 
from other websites and blogs and podcasts and videos. Give people a reason to come and consume the content that you are creating, that you are passionate about, that you can sustain, that you can be consistent about. And do what you love, right? Create the content that you want to read because I guarantee that there are other people out there that are interested in that topic as well and just be passionate and patient and persistent and keep doing what you do and everything else will fall into place. And by the way, if I can help you, I would be happy to. Just go to lumangelo.com. You can find a tab up there about like working together with me uh, or shoot me an email. Happy to help you. But first and foremost, William, passion and lots of caffeine. You need That's the other thing. You need lots of caffeine because <laughs> you're not going to yep. sleep a lot. Yep. And I totally agree with you. It's all about the passion and an appropriate level of expectation because when you get into something like this and what you do and what I do, it, it doesn't, it's not overnight success. It's something that you do because you love. And if you pursue it in that format, that you're doing it because this is something that you're passionate about and that you're connected with, then the rest of it falls into place. Absolutely. Without, listen, you know, I, I'm, I, whenever I, I speak to, to businesses or at conferences or I coach or consult with people, you know, and they're sort of fascinated by this, how I went from being a lawyer in New Jersey and having an IT consulting company to, you know, selling everything I had and taking that leap of faith and, and moving to Florida to pursue. I talk about pursuing my passion, right? That's the first thing I say. And, you know, I'm very blessed and fortunate to, to be able to do it. But you need to have that because there are going to be days that you don't feel like doing it anymore or you're going to be frustrated or you're going to be concerned or, or tired or whatever it is. But that thing that sort of fuels your fire, that gets you excited about Walt Disney World, find that thing and, and share it with others. And I'm, I'm sure you will find uh, like me, a, a great group of friends. I don't even like the word fan or audience, a group of friends that would want to share that with you. So like I said, if I can help you or you, the listener in any way, just go to lumangelo.com or email me. There you go. Fans or friends, not food. Wait, what? <laughs> what did, you, did you say fans or food? What did you say? Friends or food? <laughs> I said fans or friends, not food. It was a Dory reference. Come on, move on. Oh, I see. You, you see, you brought it full circle. You brought it yes. full circle and came all the way it around. Just took, so. Yes, it just took you a moment to kind of pick up on that, right? I'm going to have T-shirts made for you with this. Fans are friends, not food. No. <laughs> how about best? How about, you know, food is best when it is shared with friends. That That is the thing that, that continues to resonate um, from this show. So let's, you know what? Listen, we are, yep. um, as always, we are out of time. Not that there's ever Imagine a... Imagine that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love to know from you, who is listening, which one of the lounges, right? And look, lounge is sort of a, 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 a rough term. It could be inside a park. It could be outside the park. Look, we forgot about places like the tune-in lounge, <gasps> right? Right? Yes. So what is your oh. favorite lounge in, in Walt Disney World? You can tweet me at Lou Mangiello. Come to the comment section. Go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. There you can comment. We'll keep the conversation going there. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 and share yours there. We'd love to find out maybe some places, Becky, that we don't even know about or places that we overlooked as well. I am always looking to uh, expand my horizons. And you know oh. what? Maybe we'll make a live restaurant review out of one of these lounges as well. Maybe we'll even take one of the listeners with us and review it in the lounge too. 
okay, that would be fun. But you know what? The amazing thing is, I don't think we would have forgot any. We could have probably stayed on that question for the entire show. <laughs> if, if we'd had the time, we probably could have just stayed there and gone through every single lounge, which is, sounds like that. There's no wrong answer, right? Like, there's, there's no, no wrong answer. No, there's not. <laughs> it's hard to be a bad lounge, right? <laughs> you need food. You gotta, Bellevue, if the Bellevue Lounge had food, it would be dangerous. We would, yeah, that would, it would be, be a dangerous. Place to, but there's no live. kitchen. There's the problem is there's no kitchen close by. Yeah, so that's well, what yeah, from. they. Well, you know. <sighs> so when you're done letting me know about your favorite lounge, please do me a favor and head on over to mousefantravel.com. Because look, if you're coming to World to do your research, you want to go to Disneyland and say, Lou, we got to need to go review the Carthay Circle Lounge, which <gasps> needs to be. We got to do I, that. I know we do. <laughs> that's that's an amazing. Pl- the little cake pops. <laughs> <laughs> There's this, it's limitless. It really is limitless. Or, wait, guess what I'm going to do here? Or, if you want to go out to Aulani, and maybe you want to oh, review, like, oh. the Ulu Cafe, or the Olela Room, or Ama Ama, some of the lounges out there. Or, if you want to go on the Disney Cruise Line, and go to the Cadillac Lounge, or Pink, or O'Gills, whatever it may be, I promise you, I pro- I'm making this promise for you, Becky, that okay. not only will Becky and her agents help you find the best deal possible to save you money so you can spend money in the, in the lounges, <laughs> but they were going to give you, listen, that the personal service you guys give, that's the reason why I fell in love with you guys in the first place. That's the reason why I continue to use you. And I recommend you so highly and so passionately uh, because I know the, the kind of service that you guys give because you treat people like their family. And oh, by the way, you don't even charge a fee. It's all included. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's one of those wonderful rumors that I needed to spell all the time because people say, well, yeah, it's great, but, you know, I'll have to pay an additional fee to, to use your services. It's like, no, you're going to pay exactly what you pay directly with Disney or any of the other suppliers that we use or less because we are always on the look for that little special offer code that you can pop in there and save a lot of additional money. So that's what we're here for. And we do it because it's our passion. This is what we go after. We live, breathe, love all things Disney, and we're happy to share that with our clients. And we kind of, we try to treat everybody's trip as if it were our own, because we want people to come back having had a wonderful, magical experience, no matter where in the world they decide to travel. And I'm happy that you guys decided to change the name from Mouse Lounge Travel to Mouse Fan Oh, wow. Travel. Yeah, sort of just expanding the, the scope of that. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details in what you see and possibly in what you hear. If you think you got the answer right, you can then enter for a chance to win the Disney Prize Package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week we were talking about Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, and I asked you to tell me what was the name of the second Barker Bird that stood outside the Tiki Room singing and directing guests into the attraction. As you know, the Orange Bird was there for a while, not just as a character in the queue, but as a walk-around character as well. But after about 21 years, in 1992, a new bird named Artemis took over until 1997 when the Tropical Serenade closed for a rehab and then reopened as the Enchanted Tiki Room. 
under new management. Congratulations to all of you that got this one correct. And thanks to some of you who shared stories about not only meeting the Orange Bird, but coming back in or after 1992 and remembering seeing Artemis at the attraction as well. I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one. You are playing once again for a copy of all six of my virtual audio walking tours of the park, as well as a copy of my 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book and a mystery gift from my personal Disney collection. I've been purging some things, putting them up on eBay recently. I pulled one out. Going to send that to you as well. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Deborah Crosby. So, Deborah, congratulations. I'll email you, get your address, and get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, I'm going to test not just what you see or how well you know the history of the parks, but really how well you pay attention to what you hear in the parks or attractions or shows or elsewhere around property. And so your question this week is simply to tell me this. Who said, quote, think of all the tiny lawsuits? That's it. All you need to do is tell me who said that in what attraction you have until Sunday, April 26th, at 11.59 p.m. to email your answer to contest at www.radio.com. Again, you're playing for all the audio tours, a copy of the 102A to save money for an at Walt Disney World book, and I'm also going to give you a signed copy of one of my Walt Disney World trivia books. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you all so very much for your friendship and your support and for taking the time to tune in and listen this and every week. Your time is your most valuable possession, and I am so grateful that you are willing to share some of it with me each and every week. I also want to thank some new members of WDW Radio Nation, including Alexander Stein, William Matzner, Kenneth Johns, Nick Young, Ted Radway, Kathy Mohini, Stephanie Phillips, Alex Voorhees, Josh Olive, Carol Craig, and Desiree Lozada. Really, really appreciate your support and your friendship. If you want to help the show and also get exclusive rewards, including scavenger hunts, access to our private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, backpacks, t-shirts, care packages, live video group calls, and more, visit www.radio.com support. It is completely optional, but a great way to help you show your support for WW Radio. Also, don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions will go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Again, to find out more, visit www.radio.com support. And don't forget that in addition to the podcast, which you can subscribe to over on iTunes, there's plenty of other great content on www.radio.com. We have multiple daily blog posts from a great team of writers. We also have a live weekly video broadcast every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can tune in, watch, and chat in the text chat room. I'll discuss this week's Walt Disney World news live with you in the chat room and then take your questions and comments along the way and then stay for a little while to talk about anything you like where you can sort of ask me anything. That is, again, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. You can watch on your computer or your mobile device. Be sure and subscribe and comment on new videos over at youtube.com slash wwradio and get our free email newsletter with exclusive content, contests, offers, deals, information, and more. Again, you can find everything over at www.radio.com. If you have a question you want answered on the air, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. 
Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangiello. Facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. You can follow my personal profile there or like the WW Radio page at Facebook.com slash WW Radio. And if you've ever listened to this show before, you know as much as I love connecting with you and meeting with you virtually online, I believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. And I want to meet you in person. And that's why for the past eight years or so, I've been doing monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. They are free and anyone and everyone is welcome. Come by yourself. Bring the whole family. The next meet of the month is going to be at the Tangerine Cafe Saturday, April 25th. And the reason why is because just a few days later Avengers Age of Ultron is going to open on May 1st. What's the connection you ask? Well, if you remember the bonus scene at the end of the Avengers, the Avengers went out for a little bit of shawarma. So this is going to be our pre-Age of Ultron Avengers shawarma meet at the Tangerine Cafe. You don't have to have shawarma. You don't have to have anything at all. Just come by. Say hi. Again, that's Saturday, April 25th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Flower and Garden's going on as well, so it should be a really nice day to enjoy Epcot. Plenty more meets and events planned in Walt Disney World, in Disneyland, and on the Disney Cruise Line. To find out more, visit the events page over at www.radio.com and visit lumangelo.com to find out other places I'll be speaking and having meetups on the road. I'm speaking a lot at conferences including keynoting at Podcast Movement this summer in Fort Worth. We'll definitely have a meetup while you're there. And listen, if there's some way that I can help you find that thing that you're passionate about and turn it into your profession, whether it's through podcasting or building your brand or business, would love to find a way to help you do what you love the same way you empower me to do what I love and share it with you each and every day. You can find out more again by visiting LouMangelo.com. Thanks again to Becky from Mouse Fan Travel. They, of course, are my official and recommended travel provider. And if you want a little bit of Disney magic delivered right to your door or your digital device, visit Tim Foster over at CelebrationsPress.com. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, you continue to show that every single day. All I ask is that if you like the show, Please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links and comment over on Facebook. And please go rate and review the show over on iTunes. We have more than 930 reviews. We'd love to get to 1,000 five-star reviews. And I want to take a second to thank some recent reviewers like P. Rigney, Tehran, McLaren2, Kyrusco, Stonington Girl, HEJ25. I really appreciate your comments about how Disney is, is meant to be an escape from reality. And so is this podcast. And you look for that positivity and hope and how Disney is meant to be an escape and how the podcast brings that to you and that I I help make you smile. That is the the greatest compliment and reward I can ask for. Uh, Also, S. Disney and Warrior Monk Book Guy, I I really appreciate all of you taking the time to rate and review the show. If you want to do so, you can go to iTunes or just go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. There's a link right there as well as instructions on how to rate and review the show. And finally, and most importantly, I, I really need to say Thank you again. I, I mean it sincerely. Uh, you don't know how much what you say and what you do means to me. And, and I really do want and hope for every single one of you to be able to get up every day and be excited about what's ahead and look forward to the opportunities that life is presenting and do what you love. And if you're you're running to, into obstacles, you're running into barriers, remember the, the obstacle is the path itself. So if something is standing in the way of where you want to go, That's telling you the direction you're supposed to head in, right? It's the teacher. It's the guidepost. It's not a detour. It's where you're supposed to go. So change your attitude. Embrace the obstacles. Be grateful for every moment. And as Walt always said, always keep moving forward. Don't look back. Keep moving forward and start doing what you love each and every day. 
Thank you again for taking the time to listen and comment and tweet and vote and share and everything else that you do that makes this show possible. And that's why I said from the very first episode, it's by and for you. And for that, I am uh, I am sincerely, sincerely grateful. I hope you have an amazing week this week. If I can help you in any way, please let me know. So until next time, see ya. Hello, Lou Mangello. This is Brad from Happy Grace, Maryland, calling from the beautiful, beautiful koi pond. Not in it, but next to it. It's a Japan Pavilion at Epcot. I, I'm blown away by all of this. This is my first time visiting Epcot. It is gorgeous beyond words. And I have you to thank for showing me all the great things. I recently had the shawarma platter over at Tangerine Cafe, and it lives up to life. I am so glad I found your podcast. I'm so glad I met you at Megacon, and I hope everybody listening to this has a great time whenever they get to Disney World, whether it's the first time or a millionth time, and thank you so much, Lou, for all your guidance, for all the things you've done to brighten my world with the joy of Disney. Thanks. Hi, Lou. This, this is this is Cindy from Australia, and I was just listening to you like to one of your older podcasts, the Top Ten um, Characters and What Disney Love with Tim Foster. And I was I I loved your Top Ten with Tim Foster. I think they're hilarious, and I really really just wanted to let you know my favorite character. So I totally agree with you with the Madame Leota. I she's one of my favorites too, but I. That you maybe forgot on the Jungle Cruise, the Cannibal Man, the Sam I think, who is has all the cannibal jewelry and the little stick with the little heads on it. That is one of my favorite characters right there. It just brings a smile to my face every time I see it. I remember when I was nine years old, um, my dad brought me to the Jungle Cruise for the first time, and the first time I saw it, my dad always laughed up my face because I was always so shocked when I saw the man with little heads hanging on his stick and I didn't know, I just thought it was really funny and now that I'm a grown adult I always love to take my children on that and we always love to laugh at it together and it maybe is not one of the most well-known characters but he's one of my favorites right there and I, I don't know, but definitely one of mine and so thank you so much for those Hilarious podcast. I really love to listen to them with my family in the car. And just thank you. Thank you so much. And please do more Top 10 with Tim Foster. My daughter really, really enjoys them as much as I do. We always love to listen to them on the way to ballet practice with her. And 
Oh, my goodness. They're just amazing. So thank you so much, and um, I'll enjoy listening to them later. Bye. Hello, Luna Jello. It's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. And we are going to be going on the WDW Radio Alaska Disney Wonder Cruise in 45 days. Oh, I'm speechless that it's so close. It's like, wow. The temperature here in Buffalo is 46 degrees today, and um, I'm wearing my North Face. I'm ready for the chilly weather on my veranda. I'm very excited about that. This will be my first veranda on a cruise. And the fact that I'm going to get to see all of my friends um, that I've been talking to for so many years, thank goodness to you for bringing them all into my life. I am so happy and proud to be friends with everybody. And, Lou, I am so absolutely happy for you that you won the podcast awards again. You so deserve it. You are a wonderful presenter and Disney fan that you bring it to us on a daily basis or a weekly basis and you go and you help people, when I get down there and I relocate, I hope that you'll help me too. Um, it'll be a few years yet. got to wait for Hubby to retire and me, but we'll be down there eventually. And we'll see you guys all in 45 days. Have a great day. Think positive. Hi, Lou. This is Jack calling from New Jersey. Uh, we've been listening for about four years now. Uh, I booked to go to Disney World in September to celebrate my 60th birthday using Mouse Fan Travel, and they are really great people, the, the, the agent that I used. And now for the fun, the not fun part. Uh, last week I was diagnosed with brain cancer, so I'm going to be going through that during the summer. However, my plan is I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to make it through this, and that's going to be my, my my carrot at the end of the trail. I'm going to go to Disney World to celebrate my 60th birthday in September. Thanks, sir. Your your show is great. You really help people out a lot with your advice and everything. Talk to you soon, Luke. Bye.